Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. So how you doing? Well, thanks, Tom. So thanks for uh, joining me on Culture Bites again. You're one of our Melbourne consultants, but up in Sydney, so I've bagged you once again yes. to join me on the show. I love it. It's great to be able to be in the studio with you. Wow, that's good. What I'd love your insights on this week, Sue, is one that I've been seeing pop up for people, which is saying, you know, how can I be constructive and so on when I've got a really difficult manager? Mm. So the ma- my manager does not help the situation. <laughs> Because they might be the source of the stress or whatever it is, and I've seen I've seen examples from you know if we talk in circumplex language and our kind of language from both sides of either the aggressive manager or the passive manager. Mm-hmm. So I guess what do you think? Maybe if we start with with one side of that, let's start with the aggressive because I think that's the the more obvious side that people kind of notice. Yeah. So let's start there. They certainly notice it more readily, but they feel the passive. Manager just as strongly. Mm. Okay, so we'll get there in a second. So, mm-hmm. you know, difficult, if I think difficult aggressive managers, things like micromanager, like, you know, how do you stay constructive with a micromanager? Mm. So, um, a manager who's operating as a micromanager is frequently operating out of the perfectionistic style. So, it will be not good enough is the message mm-hmm. that's coming through which can be incredibly demotivating, incredibly demoralizing Mm -hmm. for people. They might feel as though they're not trusted. Absolutely, yeah, because everything's being watched. Everything's being watched, everything's being checked, everything's being double-checked. And and, then changed. And changed, (laughs) yes. So timeliness is an issue as Mm. well. And what often happens is people get so incredibly disappointed and frustrated because they don't feel as though they're trusted Mm. to get on and do it. So delegation is probably Mm. quite an issue as well. It's that that false delegation. It's like, Sue, you're in charge of this, but I'm going to check every single thing you do. Exactly right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly right. And so often what happens is that after a number of attempts that people may make to satisfy the micromanager and those attempts are failing, They will be the ones, the micromanager will be the ones still there under Mm. stress. Oh, you get burnt out. Well, the people working for them get disenchanted. Yeah. And they're like, well, if I can't satisfy you, I'm out of here. So they're the ones that are leaving at the end of the workday spot on time. Right. And it leaves the micromanager there doing the work. Why aren't these people doing Why aren't they doing this work? And why aren't they doing this work to the standard that I expect? And my standards are higher than other people's. Well, why is the question? Why so, do I have higher standards than others? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. always the, the yeah. line, right? It's just because I have high standards. Mm. Is it? Or is it that you don't can't trust anyone? Mm. I'll leave that as a rhetorical question. It's a real motivation crusher, right? Because basically people hear your effort doesn't make a difference. That's right. You're not, not trusted, you're not good enough, not good enough. All, all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, your ideas, thoughts aren't valued, mm. right? Because they're going to be triple checked and actually I want you to do it this way. So, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So if you're in that situation with a micromanager, like short of leaving, what can you do personally to kind of keep yourself in a, you know, good headspace and, and working effectively? Mm-hmm. What can you do? Mm. So 
the first thing you can do is manage your own stress. So from that perspective, I'm talking about things that actually nurture you. So a lot of people I find will say to manage their stress, they get out and exercise. And it's proven that exercise does contribute. It's a you know positive contributor to yeah. stress management. Yep. However, it's not necessarily nurturing. It's doing more, mm-hmm. do you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think people need to consider what can I actually do to nurture myself, to actually put some, you know, deposits back in my Fuel energetic back in bank the tank. account? Yeah, right. Yeah. So what does that look like? Hmm. looks very different for different people. I mean, for me, things that help me manage stress are music, absolute, uh-huh. whether it's playing it, whether it's singing it, whether it's listening to it. Organizing you- tours. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's another topic maybe we want yeah, to talk yeah. about. <laughs> oh. Stretch goals, that's, that comes yeah. straight out of the achievement style and yeah. Yeah. creative and original thinker straight out of the self-actualizing style. Yeah, But yeah, it's it's an interesting thing how to best manage stress if you are being working for a micromanager because it, it does generate it wears a lot on of stress. You. It yeah, does wear on way. you. And as I said, different people have to come up with their own strategy of mm. what's, what it's works not one size for them. All. Definitely not a one size fits all. No. Okay. So, what else could they do? Because, you know, I guess there's two parts of the equation, right? One is the source of the stress. Mm. So, you could possibly address something there. Mm-hmm. Some of that may be outside of your control. Mm-hmm. And then the other is dealing with it. So, finding stuff that nourishes you is one way of dealing with, with the stress that mm-hmm. results. Are there any other ways, do you think? So, I think that in terms of a conversation frequently difficult managers aren't aware of the mm. impact that they're having. And so it's either a mentoring up type of conversation, which is mm. a concept that lots of people don't really get. Mm. And to have that sort of conversation, your choice of language is all important. Mm. It can't be a you're doing this and it's causing me stress poke in the chest type conversation. Yeah, It has to be introduced with I statements, I'm feeling stressed at the moment. I'm wondering how I can best meet your needs. Do you know? So that's about me as opposed to you're doing this to me. Mm. And how you actually then foster that conversation further and how you how you engage with that conversation is all important. Mm. I think. So it can be one of been using recently is about feed forward rather than feedback. Yes. Which is the, because feedback can be the pointing the finger in the chest mm. conversation. Can you be. do this, you do that. Mm. Feed forward is, you know, in the future to be successful, I need, give me the high level picture and then I'll go for it kind mm. of thing or mm. whatever, you know. It's easier for people to accept mm. because it's about the future yes. rather than the past and yes. about them. Okay. So, so that's kind of addressing it at the source as well, having that conversation. Yes, it is. So um, Not always easy conversations to have either. And so I always like to practice those conversations mm. in advance. Mm. You know, it's a really good thing actually to do in a debrief. So if somebody's received from some feedback from a high-level manager in an LSI, say, for example, and they've been shocked by it or it's or upset by it or it surprised them, it's a really good opportunity to practice in one of the, the debriefing sessions or follow-up sessions. How would you introduce this topic? Mm. 
pretend I'm that high level manager, talk to me and let's work through how that sounds. You know, so mm. people actually get an opportunity to listen to themselves. Mm. And frequently when they get it out of their head and it comes out of their mouth, it's not quite how they wanted it, it doesn't to sound. sound the same. No, it doesn't sound the same. So it's a really good opportunity to familiarize themselves in advance of the actual conversation and practice having it. Yeah. Practice is so different from think, thinking it, it. Yeah. Even though, I mean, you know, thinking is good too, but there's something about when you actually verbalize it and say it, it doesn't come out <laughs> how you thought about it. <laughs> and you so try why to pull it, come it back out that in way? as the words come out of your mouth. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So I like that. So, so actually practice it. What about, so if we've got a difficult manager, would you ever skip skip level, go up to your manager's manager and have a conversation? What's your thought on that? I would prefer to have the, the conversation, the direct conversation yeah. first, most definitely. I wouldn't ever consider skipping unless I'd made probably several attempts. Right, you've exhausted that, all yes, efforts sort of thing. exhausted all options yeah. and not making any progress, do you know? So sometimes it can be really helpful to have a third person mm. if that's happening as well because sometimes people just get stuck in this loop of talking across purposes. Yeah. Do you know? And they're not really listening to each other, I suspect. Which could either be their manager or like if you're debriefing someone, sometimes it's get them and their manager together yes. in the same room. Yes. But now you're there kind of as a facilitator that's almost right. of that discussion. It does make it, I think it makes it easier to mm. have some of those tricky conversations. It does. Rather than one-on-one because you've got someone who's, I was going to say disinterested, but that's not the right word, but not in, they're not in the dynamic. Sure. They're not inside the dynamic exactly. from the outside. makes it a lot easier to manage. It does. And it's really important to remember as well that it's the first 30 seconds of that difficult conversation that sets the scene uh, for whether or not it's going to be a conversation for learning or which we've talked about before uh, or whether it's going to set up a defensive reaction. Uh, so uh, the thing that it's really important for people to remember is that if in that introductory 30 seconds you set up a defensive reaction, then the person's actually moving to the limbic brain you know, mm. the old part of their brain, the amygdala. The crocodile brain. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so they're moving into either fight, flight, or or freeze mm. as well. And they can't process language anymore, which happens in the frontal lobe, in the, in the neocortex. And fight, flight, or freeze. Mm. From so complex languages, aggressive, passive, and avoidance, I mm. suppose, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, between those. So you're not in a constructive space if that's where that's you're pushing exactly people, right? right? So you're that's not gonna exactly have a right. you're not gonna have a good conversation, a good outcome. No. Okay, so we we touched earlier on that there were kind of, you know, different sides of this. So that's the aggressive manager or the, the micromanager. Well that's the micromanager, so that really points to the perfectionistic style. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's three other styles in the aggressive defensive oh. cluster as well. And so you know, do you want to explore another one of those? The other one I see is the power kind of manager. Yeah, interesting. Um, who, it's a lot of, I mean, it's not actually too different in some ways from the micromanager. It's a lot of telling, mm. a lot of... Um, do it my way. My way or the highway type mm. stuff. I actually mm. remember an example, which I think I've given on the podcast before, but I'll give it again, where this is probably a mix of power and oppositional, actually. But it was... You know, there was this operational issue and there was two options to solve it, A or B. 
it was kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other. They mm-hmm. were both okay options, right? Yeah. And so this guy I knew, he, um, you know, I'm going to go with option A because of this, this, and this reason. He goes up to this guy who actually wasn't his direct manager. He was kind of a honorary position in the organization, which basically meant he was quite hard work and they kind of put him in this position. So he wasn't directly in charge of anyone, but he was an expert, if you like. Mm-hmm. So he went to clear the decision with this guy. He goes, you know, I think, you know, this thing's happened. I think we should do option A for this, this, and this reason. He goes, no, that's, you idiot. It's option B. Of course you should do option B. Like, what are you thinking? Kind of thing. Kind of tore into him. Mm. Not more than a few weeks later, very similar situation came up. He's like, well, I'll go with option B, right? That's what you're supposed to do. So he went up. I'm going to go with option B. You idiot. It's yes. option A. <laughs> what are you thinking? And so yeah. no matter what he did, you couldn't win. Mm, couldn't get mm, it right. Mm. Needless to say, he wasn't the most motivated to uh, <laughs> do either option. Yeah. So, you know, what do you do in that situation? Because it's, it's pretty tough, right? When Especially if someone's kind of tearing strips off you. Mm. Oh, yes. I've worked for a few of those as well in my, uh-huh. in my professional career. Um, career killers, I think we call them. Uh. So... And motivation killers. Motivation as killers. Well. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, what can you do in that regard? So, again, it's it comes it off, constantly comes back to you need to have a conversation. Mm. So, okay, we've discussed option A, we've discussed option B, and you've indicated a different train of thought on both. So, I'm confused. Back to the I statement. I'm confused. Can you help me understand your rationale in relation to this? And which is your preferred option? So is it almost so, because what I hear when you're saying that is actually you're pulling them into that coaching space. Yes. You're pulling them into actually the supporting space. So they might not have naturally gone there. No. <laughs> They've just barked at you and said option mm. bloody B, you idiot. Mm. But you, you've engaged curiosity there. So yes. help me understand why, because I want to learn, mm-hmm. which probably strokes their ego a bit. So they'll like that. But it's actually pulling them into a space where it's support me, develop me. Mm. headspace mm. so you've almost got them to go there without them necessarily planning to go there mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so is that the sort of idea behind it yes i don't know that i necessarily would have thought it through to that degree but yes now that you ah, come to mention right. it i guess so yeah okay what what else could you do i think that uh you could present uh whatever solution that you come up with from the perspective of these are the options that I've explored and this is my preferred option because, do you know? So perhaps present the pros and cons of each option as far as you see it and this is my preferred option because, which is very, it comes straight out of the achievement style uh-huh. as opposed to often you find if people have got a manager who's in that oppositional power sort of mix mm. that they fall into dependence. Do you know they fall into almost learned helplessness? Uh, what do you think? Uh, as opposed to backing their own idea. Which is tough, right? Because yeah. I, I get it. I get why people go there. Oh, and we too. often see that with, so we use leadership impact and so mm. on. So how does the leader cause us to behave? And mm. often the aggressive leader will drive passive behavior yeah. because, well, every time I go up to the sky, I get whacked over the, the knuckles or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you know what? I'm, I'm not going to. I'm just going to ask him. You know, what do you want to do, A or B? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to suggest either. Yes, I want to minimize the amount of time I have to have in the same room. And so I totally get that, but obviously it doesn't move you forward and it doesn't help with your own 
motivation and well-being and all sorts of things. Mm. So I guess how do you how do you stay in that space where it's like I'm going to suggest the options I'm going to go go to them you know with my thinking laid out is kind of what you're saying. Right? Yes. Yes. So how how do you stay there though? So how do you kind of hold that line for yourself? What do you reckon? Well it's that's about boundaries, isn't it really? That's about Tell me more. Well, boundaries are, are about it's about holding the line. So actually rather than falling into passive defensive behavior yourself, backing yourself, investing the time. Yeah. Which it may take longer mm. to do that, mm. but investing the time and putting it forward again or yeah. putting it forward for the first time yeah. like that. Yeah. It's much if you've got somebody who has that tendency to never be satisfied, you're much more likely to engage in a better type of conversation or get a better outcome from them. And I guess what's powerful, if, if I combine both your things together there, oh. so which would work really well, I think. So if I came up to this manager and said, you know, there's options A and options B, and I think B is better for these reasons kind of stuff. And then they say, no, you should go with A. And they say, okay, well, help me think through because I've laid them both out. So mm-hmm. what do you see that I'm not seeing? Mm-hmm. So it's almost... If you combine those, it's then the achievement side and the humanistic encouraging side or the curious side, I guess, for learning, which is maybe self-actualizing. And it probably helps you because I think not knowing the reason is quite frustrating as well. Incredibly frustrating. And if they have to explain the reason and there isn't a good one, (laughs) they might get exposed too, you know. Mm, So, mm. you know, sometimes people just want to be contrarian and that will start showing up if you keep asking them to explain their their, uh, formula. Whatever. Yeah. What's the what's it in mathematics? Show you're working. Yes. Ask them to show they're working. <laughs> show you working. Um, it might show that there's no working, <laughs> and they just came to an answer. So yeah, it's quite fascinating. It's one of those things often where that you've got to look forward to because you're about to become a dad. And uh-huh. fast forward two years, when your little one falls into the why stage of development, uh-huh. where every question is a why, and so you get as a parent, you get invited to show you workings <laughs> regularly, right, right. You know, but why? And so you answer, but why? So yeah. you answer, yeah. but why? So you answer, but why? I've got no ch- more whys. It's because I said so. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually you're broken. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of the reverse of that, isn't it really? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, if you don't understand, ask why. I think that's actually mm. probably a good tip for everyone for every situation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you I don't agree. understand, ask why. Yeah. I mean, if we understand the why, then our ability to actually do the what is so much stronger, isn't mm. it? Yeah. And you know what? It's a better place to be rather than just getting frustrated because their why might not be good. You might actually disagree with their why. That's right. And in fact, it might be something completely different to what you're anticipating. It could be. Because so we make assumptions. We all make it assumptions. May, there may be a good reason as well. You may ne- never have thought of this That's thing. Right. So. Curiosity, I think, is a good place to live. Yes. Because then you can deal with these kinds of, that kind of manager who's like shooting down stuff. Mm. Show you're working. <laughs> ask why. I love it. Okay. So, what about that's on the kind of aggressive side? What about the passive side? So, mm. this is, you know, if you, when you ask people, you know, what's your view of like a terrible manager, people inevitably go to the aggressive side because it's the, the shouting yeah, it's manager. The overt, stuff. It's the overt stuff. But working for the passive manager can be pretty soul-crushing too, Mm. (laughs) to be honest, but in a different way. So Mm -hmm. how do you see that side showing up? 
Well, it shows up in all sorts of different ways, but let's start with approval. That's one that lots of people will speak to. Uh Working for a manager who exhibits really high approval-seeking behaviour. And the frustration comes from a number of things that you will often hear people say they're only as good as the last conversation they had. Uh So, (laughs) So they may have set a plan, a direction, and right. the team, here's the team committed to that direction, doing good work, and then all of a sudden Direction's we flip changed. to a change of direction because we've just had an approval-seeking conversation with somebody more senior in the organisation and it's a whole lot of nugatory work. And we're like, now where are, now where are we going? Oh, so frustrating, yeah, it right? Can be oh, let's start over. Yes. So, okay, so in that kind of situation, what do you do with that kind of manager? Mm. So... <laughs> That's really interesting because that sort of manager is often working really hard for the the approval of the team members as well. Ah, Right. (laughs) So so by having a conversation around priorities, do you know, and timeline and milestones, that would be the way to approach it. Because if you don't, if all of a sudden it's, we're starting all over again yeah. and you're working to a timeline and you've got certain milestones that you need to kick goals in along the way, then there needs to be a conversation around, well, we'll need to readjust the timeline. So once you get down to that sort of detail, you know, and they can see the flow on effects, because often they're not thinking about the flow on effects uh. of changing that decision, uh. you know, and they need to be able to, see the flow on effect of doing it. It might mean you need additional resources to still meet the deadline. It might mean, you know, so there's a cost implication for that. There can be all sorts of things. So really exploring with them the consequences and that can be, I think, a a very good way of dealing with that sort of manager. So what about yourself when, you know, like, especially when the overall goal has just kind of shifted? So it's it's not just like a tactic, but it's the – you know, we all thought we we're heading in this direction and now we're really changing direction. Mm. How do you keep yourself sane? <laughs> yeah. Well, again, it's um, self-care. You know, it all comes back to self-care, self-nourishment, being able to express yourself constructively, oh. be heard, oh. you know, to ask questions, to keep that spirit of curiosity, to ask why, oh. things to reassess priorities that's really important Mm. as well Mm. that needs to happen so it's a combination of having the conversations that need to be had exploring what are the contributing factors now what's Mm. changed what does that mean for Mm. us Mm. and a really healthy dose of self-care along the way so that you just don't keep on falling into endless frustration can you do anything on a personal level around i guess your own direction setting, your own goal setting, stuff Mm -hmm. like that? Like, what can you do there? Mm -hmm. Well, you keep on setting goals for yourself. So Mm. the thing is, it can be, that can be exhausting as well, having that approval-seeking manager because, you know, you just, there can be so much nugatory work. Well, and and it feels like you're not moving forward, which is actually like frustrating. Yeah, it's Mm. really frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a it's an interesting one, but goal setting becomes a really important component of that in my experience. Mm. What about you? Have you had any additional experiences with that? I've seen um so I know people who are in that kind of situation 
where it's quite frustrating where like they don't know what they want is what it feels like, right? They don't know what mm. they want. So mm. there's all these grand plans, but they kind of change. And so it's just, um, I don't know. It's just hard to get any traction, I suppose, right? You know, our very first episode of Culture Bites actually was Kickstarter and a Passive Team, mm. which was kind of on this topic in some ways. It was around, you know, everyone kind of nods and says yes, but nothing ever happens yeah. type stuff, which mm-hmm. is what can happen with that kind of manager. Well, people start to withhold after a while. It's like, well, let's not go there because, you know, they're going to we've actually. We've tried that before. We've tried that. That didn't work. Just let's wait for the next change. And so you slow, it really slows down your ability to get stuff done. To, to me, I think when you're dealing in that passive space, it's tough, but you've got to keep your own achievement super high. Yes, and, you do. And you can actually influence the team mm-hmm. and you can influence the manager mm-hmm. because it's infectious if you can do it. So you need to keep you know, focusing on where does my effort make the most difference right. and talking other people through this, that as mm-hmm. well. What's our goal? What's what our, our goal? What are we trying to achieve? What are, we, what are the outcomes? What are we going to deprioritize? Yes. Because we have to now. Well, because <laughs> I think the other thing with with passive managers and particularly approval is they take on too many goals. Yes. So, which effectively means you're not taking on any goal, truly, because if you've got 30 different things that you're are on the boil. Mm. So they don't know how to say no. They don't know how to say no because they don't want to, you know, they want to please everyone and stuff mm. like that. So so it's having that conversation, you know, where does our effort make the most difference? And it's encouraging people and staying by them and then reinforcing when someone does do something, they are successful in achieving an outcome, reminding them of that. that hey, that's awesome. You know, you said you're going to get there, you got there. Mm. There were some swings and roundabouts on the way. It was difficult, but you got there, which is really reinforcing that self-efficacy yes. around getting stuff done. Yeah. So maybe targeting on a personal level. And, and then the same approach for yourself is it's frustrating, stuff changes, but, you know, what are we, mo- what, what have I moved forward on? What mm. have I got done? Mm. And, you know, check, ticking it off and just being aware, I suppose, that actually despite all the, you know, annoyances and so on. We are moving forward in some places, mm. which reinforces your own self-efficacy mm. around that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, there's some interesting behaviours that you see come out of that passive defensive cluster, aren't there, from managers? Avoidance is a beauty mm. as well. How do you see that one playing out? Oh, so, well, it depends on whether it's avoidance of task or avoidance of people and sometimes both. avoidance of both. You know, that's the sort of manager that sees you walking towards their office and closes the door yeah. or makes, picks up the phone to make a phone call. And these things sound quite subtle, do you know? Or maybe not closing oh, sorry, the I'm door. Sorry, I'm just about to jump on a call, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or who, in avoidance of task, oh, I just need to consider some more aspects of uh, that, do you know? Uh, so, and then it just drifts away forever and ever until away. people just start forgetting about it that's what, right whatever happened to that thing we're gonna do yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah interesting so what do you do there though well again it's about standing yourself in the constructive styles so a combination of the constructive styles i think all four of them actually come into play mm. there because you have to be really clear yourself Mm. And that's a mixture of one foot in self-actualizing, the other foot in achievement probably, mm. asking for clear goals. Mm. 
asking for priorities. Mm. So it's much harder for that manager to avoid, do you know? Mm. Asking for explanations as well from a help me understand perspective, Mm. do you know? So there's a huge difference between I need to know and can you help me understand? I think to add color to that too, I think, what I've seen be effective for people is not coming with a blank canvas yes. to an avoidant manager. Yes. Come with, these are the all the priorities, what are the top three? Mm. Or, you know, something that's already like filled in to a certain extent. So then they're choosing rather than creating, I suppose, because yes. yeah. you're going to have an easier time getting across the line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's, a, it's an interesting one because... Frequently, they may have avoidance of conflict playing out as mm. well. They may have procrastination playing out. Frequently, procrastination rears its head, or they might they might just be turning around and going in the opposite direction when they see you coming. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, they um try and try and tap out there. Mm. All right, so so there are a couple of common themes I think across those. Right, because definitely. So, what what were you picking up as the common themes? Oh, I was picking up the incredible sense of frustration that comes to people working for highly defensive managers, whether it be aggressive, whether it be passive. Mm. The level of frustration, the level of disengagement, the lack of motivation—you mm. know—all of all of those things are outcomes of of working for highly defensive managers, no matter which side. Mm. They're on passive or aggressive. And then the themes around what they can do about it? Yeah. Well, there's clear communication, isn't it? Very strong theme. Goals, personal goal setting from both a personal perspective and a professional perspective. Self-care. Yeah. So you can hear as we're talking, we're working our way through the constructive styles. Yeah, true. Do you know? Yeah. Really relationship building, Mm. time and effort, keeping a spirit of curiosity. Mm. Adopting a help me understand position. Yep. Curiosity. Um, yep. Cu- absolutely curiosity. So all of those things. Love it. So if you're out there with a difficult manager, yeah. <laughs> and I know there's uh there's a few of them out there, you know, give it give it a shot, right? And and it's not easy for sure, staying constructive in the face of a kind of defensive manager. But you can do it. You definitely can do it. It's just about being aware of yourself and, and keeping stock in that and building your own self-efficacy and stuff around that. Mm. So I remember my long-term mentor mm. when I worked for an incredibly difficult boss, who, by the way, was a visionary, mm. and the sadness was he was highly, highly aggressive, and it diminished the power of his ability to think, you know, in a really highly creative way. It was such a shame. Mm. But I was – it was – so it was incredibly difficult and I was talking to my mentor about it at the time and she asked me this question. It's a long time ago and I've never, ever forgotten it. She said, would you give up the experience if you had to give up the learning that came with it? What did you say? I said, actually, no, because I learned so much about myself, about how to communicate more effectively, about how to, you know, hold the line, mm, boundaries, mm set goals, you know, all sorts of things. I, I just learned so much mm. as a result of that experience. So I've never forgotten that advice. And uh, it's something that I remind myself of constantly if I'm in a difficult situation 
and would I give up the experience if I had to give up the learning that came with it? I love it. Yeah, it's a great way of thinking about it. Mm. Yeah, great note to end on. So yes. if you've got a difficult manager, it's a learning experience. You yeah. can grow from it. Absolutely. Love it. Thanks for your time today, Sue. You're very welcome, Tom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au. Music